praise his name. Praise his name. Maybe see to you that we didn't ever get enough of the Word of God. Never get enough of His Spirit. Even before we ask, the Lord knows what we have need of. The precious portion of Scripture that. Uh, Jesus spoke to his people about living in this life. How many know without stress, without trouble, that life wouldn't happen? Stress and trouble and anxieties will happen. Because we are human. And so often, when I look at what I can, what has to be done in my own humanity, I begin to sink. I don't know about you, I begin to go under. It's too much. It's overwhelming. And Jesus talked about some very simplicity, simple things. And if we would title this message, I would say something like, what is the most, what's most important? Or we would say maybe, what's priority number one? How would we answer that? We know that the Old Testament teaches that the Ten Commandments, the very first commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul. Right? At least Jesus said that when he was asked to quit. What are the most what is the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and strength. He said, the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, I can't love my neighbor as myself until I love God and know that God is loving my neighbor through me. And so in my own strength, I can't love as I ought to. And so to put this in perspective, Jesus knew that we would have days that would be filled with, we would be anxious. He knew that we would have days that we, we would wonder how we're going to make it through it. We, he knew that we would have moments when things would happen unexpectedly. That we never planned on. And Jesus speaks from Matthew chapter 6, these important words that he talks about, this little word, Anxious, being anxious. Be anxious, for I say to you, you do not be anxious for your life. How many, how many honest people, I've been anxious before. <laughs> I've been anxious. You know, you're, it's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Just remember where your, uh, your strength is. So number one, number one point is, the first point is, who is our source or where is your strength? Where do you turn to? So Jesus says, he reminds us as to what you, you're anxious for what you're going to eat, you're anxious for what you're going to drink, and those are basic things. 
You're anxious for what you're going to wear. You're anxious for what you're going to put on. You're anxious for what you're going to look like. You're anxious on and on it goes. And then he asks the question, is not life more than food and the body than clothing? Then he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, neither do they reap. They're gathered into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now, I don't know about you, but even in the dead of winter, you see these little buggers, these little birds. I don't know what they are for sure. Some may be sparrows, them may be chickadees. Some are winter birds. I don't know for sure. I'm not a bird expert, but I've never seen a bird that wasn't too that was was too stressed out unless a cat was about ready to pounce. Or that that bird was in some kind of pain in a broken leg or broken wing. Most birds are happy, singing, doing their things. And Jesus is making the point, if I take care of the birds, how much more will I take care of you? The birds don't plan ahead. Now, it's not to say we should never, not, never plan ahead. That's not what he's saying. But they don't even plan, they don't even put away. They go out looking, for, they go out expecting, they go out believing there's going to be food for them. And then he begins to ask the question, how much, are you not worth much more than they? But you start my dad used to say, well, that's, someone used to say this, oh, that's for the birds. You know, that's like, that's for the birds. That doesn't, that, what that, what's it saying? That doesn't mean nothing. That doesn't mean much. It's not worth much. But God is saying to you and I, you're worth far beyond the birds that I have created and I've provided for. I, my heart is toward even those things, but my heart is even more toward you. As you are on a depth scale. And so, and what should you be back? We all know this. When I worry, this makes it worse. The more I get anxious, I worry because I'm anxious. I'm worrying because I'm worrying. Are you, are you catching? You get all tangled up in this. And finally, we need to pull ourselves aside. And say, Lord, you are my strength. Listen, Paul describes something of this battle that was going on in his flesh versus the spirit. The flesh wanted to do what it wants to do. The fleshly side of us wants to do what it wants to do. But the spirit of God in us says, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not going to help you at all. It's not going to help to turn to your flesh. This is going to make things worse. And so if you turn to God, and God the Spirit in you, God the Holy Spirit begins to dwell up within you. I believe that God the Holy Spirit is in every believer. I believe that God the Holy Spirit goes with you when you go to your workplace. I believe that God the Holy Spirit never leaves you. That he's there. He wants to interact in your thought life. He wants you to... He wants to help you 
manage your stress. Now, when I was in college, I had to take another class for elective or something, something like that. And I signed up for this class that said stress management. Stress management, something to stress. Now, this ought to be good. This ought to be really interesting. I can't remember a thing. But I remember one, one thing I do remember. So they said, you guys need to list your stress factors. Well, that's a fancy word for whatever is trouble. Factors, you list them, you identify them. Though, for me, it was one day my truck got hit and the bumper got stuck out, not a 90, and relate to Nathan, and so forth and so on. It was a stressful moment. What, what they we're trying to do is help us manage our stress by identifying the stress. What is it that's bothering? What, what is it that really makes you upset? A certain amount of stress is probably good. If you see someone that is hurt on the road, it might bring a little stress to you, but it might save their life if you stop and help them. Oh my goodness. Stress levels go up and down, up and down, up and down. What Jesus is saying is, he's not saying you should never have stress, but when you are stressed, look to me. Did Jesus have stress? You better believe he had stress. Did Jesus seem anxious at times? At times that he was, he never sinned, but he is tempted in all things as we are. You think it was easy to go to the cross? Absolutely not. Even before the cross, he agonized in prayer, in the prayer of Gethsemane, and he agonized, and his sweat became the drops of blood. Deep, deep pain that he was in. Jesus identifies with your stress. And what he's saying to you and I is this, I am your source. And so further on over to the next chapter, 7, we read a little more about what we can do in our stress Areas, he says, verse 7, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find, knock it shall be opened. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. What man is there among you who has son shall ask? Dad, dad, I'm hungry, I need bread. Oh, here's a stone. What, what is Jesus saying? Verse 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to the... I believe that God wants to help us. And the everyday things of life. And in a moment, he can help you in a split second in a prayer. Jesus, all it takes, Jesus, help me. Jesus, I'm going down. Jesus, I'm, I'm under the load. Jesus. And so we read these verses and we just are reminded that what's the most important thing that I put on the Lord Jesus Christ? That I put on the full armor of God. That I realize that I cannot face my day in my own strength. I cannot be as effective 
without the Lord as with the Lord. I cannot be what I ought to be in my witness for Jesus if I'm not being with Jesus. Did you catch that? I cannot be effective for, with the, as a witness for Jesus unless I've been with Jesus. And Jesus is living through me. And so our challenge is as we move into this new year, what's priority number one? What is it? Every year we hear this, well, what's your new resolution? What's, I always think, well, we know him more. We have less of me. Be less of Gary, less of Gary and more Jesus. So that I might be able to deal with life as Jesus would have me deal with it. And so the stress factors are going to come. The things that happen in this life, sometimes we don't have control over, many times we don't. And so we say, Lord, what is this all about? Lord, you must be mad at me. You think you ever, you know, that's not necessarily. I don't, I don't encourage people to go there. In this life, you will have trouble. You get down further into verse 34 of chapter 6 of Matthew. Every day has enough. I don't know about you, you don't have to look very far for trouble. Right? Trouble happens. Trouble, you've heard this expression, here comes trouble. You know, it's just a, a person always got something going on. Trouble, trouble, trouble. Well, what do we do? What do we, how do we deal with that? How do we encourage people that are in trouble? Jesus said these words. Don't be anxious. Worry about tomorrow. Oh, I, I struggled in college. I got this syllabus. It was like a foot long, and all the, all the work that had to be done. And I never knew what a syllabus was until I got to college. I never knew how to make footnotes. And I never caught it in, in, in uh, you know, grade school, not grade school, but high school. I never really kept up. I didn't really want to be there. High school. It was different in college. It was a calling. It was a different thing. And I get overwhelmed and I realize, you know what? I just do a little at a time. And pretty soon you're making progress. And so you guys that have projects, been going on for 15 years, my 20, I'll see my 15th, I think my 15th year is coming up on my little log cabin. I haven't been working on it lately at all, but it's, it's just kind of like, okay, life gets sets in, and priorities aren't, you know, we're, we're sorting things out, but e even if it was all done, that is not my source of strength. It may be a place where I can go for solitude or relax, but who is really the one who fills my needs is Jesus. He is the living water that you and I will quench our thirst. And everyone is born with this desire, the need to be filled with something. 
And the Bible teaches that if we don't fill up on the Lord, we fill up on the things of the world, and all of a sudden we find ourselves absolutely overwhelmed and unsatisfied. Because the things of this world cannot satisfy. Can I read a verse from Ecclesiastics? I'm skipping ahead to my, uh, a little bit, my message. When you read Ecclesiastics, you have to realize that, that there is a, there's a man here that is, is writing. He's, had, he's, he's Solomon, and he's, he's been given wisdom, and God is using him to pen these words. And Solomon, well, you would say he had it all. He had everything. When he read, he also, with his wisdom, he observed people around him, and he says there was a certain man without dependent, verse 8 of chapter 4, having neither a son nor a brother. He, he, he's, a, he's a man without family. Yet there was no end to all his labor. Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches, and he never asked. In other words, he was a loner. It was hard for him to even ask for if he needed help, he would try to figure out how to do it by himself. And for whom am I laboring and depriving myself of pleasure? This, too, is vanity, and it is a grievous task. And let me, let me explain this. Hard work is good. People who work hard, that's good. But just working hard without the Lord becomes emptiness. Okay, so God expects us to work, right? He said, if you don't work in one place and you don't, you don't eat. He encouraged the people that were... Uh, you know, had extra, if they were, they had a good living, to take care of people who were less able to care for the poor people, people who had disabilities. Genuine, Paul said to Timothy about widows, if they were widows indeed, meaning they, they had to qualify in order to be put on the list. And so there were certain God expects us to do our best with what we have. And there's something about what the Lord is saying and teaching us. The Lord wants to work within you so he can work through you. So all of a sudden our workplace takes on a new dimension. That I'm not just working for myself. I'm not just working to make a living. But I'm actually working to please the Lord. And my work becomes an offering, a sacrifice to the Lord. And so if you and I are going to be fulfilled in this life, we have to realize that it's the Lord whom we're working for. I don't know of any other better, better employer than the Lord. Right? Ah, uh, he absolutely 
has the best, our best interests in his mind. He not only wants us to teach, teach us how to be the best workers, to be the best people in family life and community, he wants us to even go beyond our family and beyond our, even this community and to other communities across the ocean and in other places. Not everyone can go that far away from home on mission trips or whatever and ministry opportunity, but if you get a chance, you can do that. I believe it'll help. And it did for me open my eyes to see how other people live on a lot less, on a lot less, and yet they're happy. And so there's a story in our second point, who is my strength? Our first point was, who is our source? Second is similar, who is my strength? And if I were to say uh, another, who is my strength? I would also add, what energizes me? What gets you excited? What gets, what's your passion? What, what is it that you really look forward to? And if you figure that out, you will never work a day in your life. Now, now that's kind of a weird saying, isn't it? But if you figure out what is your passion, what are your gifts, it really isn't, you don't, real, you don't feel a burden. You feel energized. You feel like overflowing. And so a couple of guys in the book of Acts, chapter 3, were doing basically walking with Jesus, and they were going to the temple, was their routine to pray at a certain hour. One day, there was a man begging, and I think that this man was probably there quite often, begging for his living. He was handicapped. He couldn't work. And here comes a couple of people in the book of Acts, chapter 3, and they look at this man, and Peter goes, and the man was obviously probably saying something for my livelihood, something, a coin or anything. And Peter looks at him, basic up paraphrase, Mister, I don't have a dime, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Listen, when we have Jesus, we are rich. When we have Jesus, we have something, someone that money cannot buy. Nothing can satisfy us other than the person Jesus. So he reaches, lays his hand out to this man, and all of a sudden this man jumps. Uh, this is a miracle. This man had been lame, paralyzed, not able to walk. He leaps up. I don't know about you, have you ever sat for a long period of time? It's not easy when you get older to get up, right? And he jumps up and starts running. That's a miracle. That's a huge. It so shook the place that the 
religious folks got concerned for all the commotion. And Peter goes, you know, don't talk to me about it, talk to that man. If, it's, if you don't believe it happened, ask that man. And then the man said, it was Jesus who healed him. You people are watching, looking for what is real, who is authentic. What is it that you have? How can you, how are you able to bear the load you are under? How are you able to uh, be happy even in spite of? Silver and gold will never make me happy, although a little helps with our life. Of course, we need our livelihood, but that's not our priority number one, is it? Because it's God the one who is in control. He provides the job for you and I. He, he opens the doors for you and I, and it's he that is saying, I am your strength, as Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all my needs. A little story, a little story. Go back to my college days. This was, this was really, I was very naive to things. I was very uh, unfamiliar with how things worked in college life as far as the unemployment benefit was concerned. But being the honest person I should be, that little check that came every month when I was on unemployment says, are you going to a college or are you doing this? You check the box. So I just checked the box. Oh, along came about, uh, I was doing, this was the perfect thing. I was going to college collecting an unemployment check. Well, all of a sudden, I get this letter. You need to report to the unemployment benefit headquarters immediately. And I, and I did, and I, I, what's up with this? You need to pay us back all the money since you, it's, not, it's unlawful for you to collect unemployment while you're going to college. And I'm going, what? Inside, I'm going, what? And then I so happened to be reading a portion of Scripture. How many believe God speaks to us quite often if we're looking and listening? through his written word. I believe it. Now, here, here was my, one of my devotion read, time read. I was reading from Proverbs 16. And this is on my mind with the unemployment thing. And verse 8 says, Better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. What? That speaks, that's speaking to me. Then great, okay, better is to have a little and do it in a righteous manner than to have this great income with injustice. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs. So immediately, you know, what happened to me then? What, how did I change? What changed? Well, nothing changed. I had to pay the money back. 
But what changed was inside of me. My attitude changed. Oh, in other words, Lord, you would be more pleased with me if I would follow the law than bend the rules and even have more money. Does that make sense? Who is my source? Who is my strength? When you were banking on something and then something happened that put a setback in your life, what takes place inside of us? Sometimes we can get anxious. Sometimes we know it's very difficult. But the scriptures speaks very clearly to us that the number one thing is to look up to God and say, Lord, here I am. I'm in need, but you are the God who provides. And I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give back to you. I'm going to seek you first, as Matthew 6, 33, in this little chapter of Matthew, chapter 6, probably one of the finest, most encouraging also at the same time, challenging verses of Scripture, but seek first his kingdom. Well, well what does that mean? Well, all of a sudden, the shift is not, a, it's, it's not about you. We shift from what we think we want to what, what, oh, what is it that you want for this year, Lord? What is it that you want out of this situation? What is it that you are trying to do in my heart and life through this kind of trial, Lord? So I seek first his kingdom. Remember, Jesus taught the disciples, when you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Is it his kingdom that we're, that is absolutely, that's, what's, that's where the real life is. The king to his kingdom, his, his, his heaven, and even the heavens uh, it, it, where God is at is still overflowing down to on the earth as his kingdom is in people who will believe. His kingdom is in simple faith, seeking first. And then you notice all these other things, all the things. There are a lot of things we, we, we can want or think we, think we need. And all of a sudden, God says, what do you really need? He's not against things. He's not against having some, some, a fun time and have things. But he says, I don't want anything to take my place. And so it's a tool. So you become a manager. And so you become a steward. Of you simply realize, I have way more than I really need. I have way more than I deserve. I have far more than I could even think or ask for. What matters the most is this, that it's all said and done when we come to the end of our life, when Jesus is calling you and I, is that we have walked with you, that we have served you, that we have 
our hearts have been toward him, that we have looked to the poor, that we have been sensitive to one another, that we have walked in our, in, not in our own thinking or understanding. What matters the most is Ecclesiastes sums it up. All that really matters in the end is to keep his commandments. Love God. Love God. I'm, I'm clear, I, I'm quite concerned, uh, believe, I quite, the word I'm grasping for is kind of like concrete. When you pour concrete, it sets up if it's in good conditions. It gets hard. It becomes a foundation. Jesus comes into our heart. The foundation is laid. But the process of the building continues on the rest of our life. The moment we accept Jesus, the foundation is laid. We're, we're saved. We're justified. But all of a sudden, now we have the Lord in control. All of a sudden we realize, oh, he's the one who's going to make a way for me. Oh, when I started out with my F-150 1977 little mint green truck, it was a mint. It was, it was a mint condition. By the time I got into the 80s, it was a wreck. Right? Things don't last. Right? Stuff doesn't stay nice, doesn't stay new forever. All it is is stuff. And so I ended up selling to a person who used it to plow, a, plow his field. It ran good, but the body fell apart. This is the way life is. In this life, we can't, we can't build on flesh and blood. We can't build on just brick and mortar. There has to be someone inside of us. That person is Jesus. That person is the Lord. That person is the foundation, Jesus Christ. And let me say this. He lets us do a lot more things than you probably would ever realize you get to do. He'll, he'll help you with situations. He can help you with problems because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He'll help you overcome because you look to him and you've admitted, Lord, I'm at my end. I've come to a place and only if I could say I've arrived, but none of us can say we have arrived. We're all in process. But long as we're making progress, you keep believing you keep looking to him. You keep, he, keep him as number one on your heart. You keep him as a source. The very soul. We sang a song earlier. It is well with my soul. Nothing but the Lord can satisfy our soul. Our soul is that part of us. That seat of emotions. The soul man of us wants, longs for a God whom can trust. 
through the seeking, through the process of pursuing God, you learn to trust. Sometimes you have to learn to wait. That's one of the hardest things to wait for me is to wait. Wait. Waiting seems like it's a waste of time, right? Waiting seems like, what's the use? I'm just wasting my time, Lord. What is there left for me? What am I going to do? God is saying, trust me. Seek me. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing something that is beyond yourself. Heaven will reveal its reasons. Until then, let's, let's keep seeking. Sing that one more time with Anna, a benediction song. If you will, please, make it a prayer unto the Lord. Make it well with our souls.